0: And so last week I was sharing with you that, you know, out of my lineage, and I found out actually through conversations uh, with mom and dad, but I found out that through my lineage, uh, I had a bit of a propensity toward sexual addiction or sexual immorality. Now, I know not every guy has that propensity, but uh, a lot of guys do. And so uh, I discovered that when I was 10 years old and, and was exposed to pornography this was church guys by the way uh older church guys in the church as they exposed me to pornography uh it affected me in a way maybe it doesn't affect everybody but it affected me in a very negative way and it ignited those seeds you know seeds uh from uh our lineage or seeds of iniquity or seeds of our aversion of the law of sin and death uh they can be germinated through an experience They can be awakened. Also, you know, other seeds can be deposited within our soul. And those seeds have a propensity to bear fruit. And the Bible says it's fruit unto death. And so we end up with some thinking, thinking, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so with me, you know, I was vulnerable sharing that. And I talked to you last week a little bit about, you know, renouncing those things and I want to visit some of those principles again today, but I want to, I want to visit those principles out of this idea of, of taking our thoughts captive and what do we do with our thoughts and, and really working on our thoughts because we know, as the proverb says, out of the, you know, as the, as the, as a man thinketh, right? As a man thinketh, so is he. And so things begin, oftentimes, things that harm or that hinder us begin in the thought realm, and, and then they, they wash over into emotion, and then they move on over into behavior. Anybody ever had that progression? Yeah? And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the cross today. Because I believe something that has really helped me a lot is the way that I deal with thoughts. And the way the Holy Spirit helped me deal with thoughts that are not from above. Anybody in the room ever had a thought that wasn't from above? <laughs> Let's go first to the Word a little bit. And uh, I want to announce to you that you are a dead person. That's good. Um, and that you're raised up with Jesus, Yes. And you're, you're also divorced. You're a divorced person. You're divorced from a marriage to the demonic realm. You're divorced from fulfilling your life through Satan's methodology or sin's methodology. So I want to look at a couple of verses with you first, right off the bat, and then we'll get into this a little bit, uh, because uh, it relates a bit to a proper, a very firm, a strong, a living, a constant application of the cross. So 1st Romans chapter 6, verse 4, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, by the way, uh, I encourage you if, you, if you haven't been baptized, get baptized, Yes? I tell people baptism is for people who plan on living. If you plan on dying immediately, don't get baptized. Don't need to worry about that. You'll be with him in glory right now. Uh, But if you plan on living, baptism is a powerful expression. It's a powerful thing. It's a a legal transfer out of who you were into who he's made you to be. So we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now that's interesting because he's, he's making the context of this, by the way, is right now. The context is not in the sweet by and by. The context is not in heaven. The context is not newness of life when you die. The context is newness of life right now. That if we identify with the cross as the death to our sinful nature, then immediately we too can experience resurrection. Immediately there's a shift with us if we don't put this off, but we put it right now. Amen? So we too might walk in newness of life, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Now, I'm reading at the New American Standard. Other versions might say something very similar, but I love this. Uh, and, and you know, Paul talks about it's the body of sin. He talks about the sinful nature. He talks about the carnal nature, the flesh, various translations. Uh, I like this, and it says that our old self was crucified with him. In other words, when when he died... The power of sin over the Adamic nature was put to death because you, through his death, were actually set free from the Adamic nature and you were raised up in a brand new creation. You're a brand new person, by the way. How many of you know you're a brand new person? How many of you know you're not who you were? Come on, that is 25 of us this morning that know. I mean, you must be excited about this. I don't know if you're fully convinced. Some of you know you're a brand new person? What I mean is you're not going to become a brand new person. You are a brand new person, and you're actually becoming who you already are. In other words, as revelation dawns on you, it's you catching up with who you already are. Because you already are a brand new person. Come on, I am a brand new person in Christ Jesus, set free from sin, set free from the law of sin and death, set free from the influence of Satan over the Adamic nature, over the, over the lineage of Adam. You know, it says in Romans chapter 5 that through one man we all die, but through one man, through one man we all, who believe, we all come alive. Are you alive today? We are not who we were. We are not who we were. Now I wanna I wanna just I'm you know, I'm hoping to really, you know, cook this into our heart this morning in a powerful way. Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Everybody say done away with. Done away with. Say it again, done away with. Now, this is really powerful because I feel like, and I don't want to preach a sermon before we get to the sermon, but I feel like that we're, we don't take some of this stuff seriously, that we, we, don't, we don't see that it's done away with. We still, we still tolerate it. We still entertain it. We still listen to it way too much. Hello, somebody. But this says that it's been done away with. Say it again, done away with. Wow. See, we, we got to move past this seeing that Jesus is just forgiveness and we are going to mess up and we're going to be a mess. But hallelujah, we can always run to Jesus for forgiveness. That is a religious system that God is graduating us out of. That is a religious mindset that God's graduating us out of. We don't run the church constantly because we're such a mess and we need forgiveness. And Jesus is forgiveness. And it stops right there. That's the lid on Jesus. He's forgiveness. We run to the Lord because we are being renewed, recreated in his image. We are new creatures. The more we look at him, the more we become like him. The more we gaze at him, the more we are transformed into that very image. When we see him, we're going to be, some of us are going to be real surprised. Because when we see him, we're going to be, whoa, that's me. What in the world? Because John says, when we see him, we're going to see we're just like him. And some of us are not going to get to that place and we're we're going we're going to see him. We're going to be like, what was I thinking? How did I miss this so far? What in the world? That the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves. That we would no longer answer to. That we would no longer be obligated to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Dead people are free from sin. Dead people don't have negative thoughts. Dead people have no obligation to have negative thoughts. Dead people don't have sexually immoral thoughts. Dead people don't have fear thoughts. Dead people, have, dead people are not paying attention even whatsoever to who they used to be. He who, has, he who has died is free from sin. And that's that's part of what baptism is all about because it's a burial service, right? Let's go down to verse 17. But thanks be unto God that though you were slaves of sin. Whoa. We used to be slaves to sin. We used to be slaves to sin. In other words, when it When it called our name, we answered. When it spoke to us, we responded. When it talked like us, then we thought it was us. We were slaves to sin. But thanks be unto God, though we were slaves to sin, we have, you have become obedient from the heart. That's the inner man, that's the soul and the spirit. From the heart to that form of teaching that which you were committed and having been freed from sin, you have now become a slave to righteousness. Wow, that means that I have got this, I've got this crazy relationship with righteousness. That, that righteousness, right relationship with father, sonship with father is now dominating all of my thinking. Sin is not dominating my thinking. Righteousness, right relationship, sonship, sonship is dominating my thinking. Romans 8 verse 1. You okay still? Everybody still here? Now in, in chapter 7, he digresses, you know, and he talks about the flesh. He starts chapter 7 by saying that we were once married to the law. And, and, and if you're married, then in that case, you really can't escape that which you're married to. And the law was igniting our sinful passions but we've been divorced and now we're married to Jesus. We're married to one who is higher. And then he keeps going through in chapter seven and he, and he talks about the wrestling that we had before we came to the Lord. Even if we wanted to do good, we would be caught not doing good. Even if we desired to do what was right, then we would end up doing what was wrong. And he says, you know what? And he says, it's sin. It's sin. It was sin working in our members. It was sin working in our members. But I love the way he starts chapter 8. He says at the end of chapter 7, Who shall redeem us from this body of death? Who shall deliver us from this body of death? Then he says, Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Jesus delivers us from this body of death. He's reflecting on what we used to be and who now we've become. Then he starts chapter 8. I love this. There is, therefore, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life. Everybody say the law of spirit of life. How many spirit walkers in the building? How many spirit walkers in the building? For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds. Everybody say minds. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, those that have been regenerated in the spirit, those that are connected to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, set their mind on the things of the spirit. The mind... Set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Thought life. I want to talk to you about your thought life. I I love the way he launches into launching out of chapter 7 into chapter 8. Essentially, this is what I think he's saying, is that... If you have a bad thought, that's no longer you. That's going to mess with you right there. If you have a bad thought, that's no longer you. If you have a bad thought, that's no longer you. If you have a fear thought, that's no longer you. If you have a negative thought, that's no longer you. If you have a doubt thought, a discouraging thought, if you, this is interesting. If you have, if you have, if you have these thoughts coming up in your mind, if those thoughts are not of God, you have no obligation to give them attention, If those thoughts are not of the spirit, you have no obligation to be under their influence. And he says it's so strong. He says... Rather than falling into condemnation, oh, my, what, you know, what's wrong with me? And I'm such a mess, and I'm always having these thoughts, and I'm always wrestling with this realm, and I'm always thinking this stuff, and I'm always negative, and I'm always fearful, and I'm always this. And, I'm. and so he says, instead of falling prey to condemnation, this is interesting. He's saying, distance yourself from it. That's the old you. That's the old you. That's the old you. You know, it's your responsibility. You know what my responsibility is in the new creation? Our responsibility is to distance ourselves. Our responsibility is to declare that's no longer a part of me. Our responsibility is to take those thoughts captive and turn those thoughts around to follow, to yield to, to obey the spirit of Christ in the inner man. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is not to get under condemnation. Either we are new creations or we are not new creations. And what happens is sometimes, what happens is so often, that when we give place to these thoughts, when we listen to these thoughts, when we think these thoughts are our thoughts, Then we entertain the thoughts. We listen to the thoughts. We feel obligated to pay attention to the thoughts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many thoughts are sneaking past the cross into your post-cross life? How many thoughts that don't belong in your post-cross life are sneaking through the cross? And because they have an appearance of the pre-cross life... You are thinking that they're your thoughts, therefore you're obligated to pay attention to those thoughts, give energy to those thoughts, meditate on those thoughts, allow those thoughts to exist. You feel like those thoughts are actually a part of you because they've snuck through the cross. When in fact they have no right to be over on this side of the cross whatsoever. Those thoughts don't belong over here. They aren't a part of the new creation. They, they aren't a part of what you should accept or listen to. But because they show up, you think they're you. But what if you just realize for a moment that if a negative thought, a, 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 an unclean thought, a, a sexually perverse thought, a fear thought, a withholding thought, a hatred thought sneaks through the cross, what if you just realize, hey, 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 that's not me. That's not the new creation that I've made, been made to be. I don't need to pay attention to that. What in the world? That thing has to go. What if you sent it packing? What if you sent the thought packing? What if you just addressed the thought? and just said it just had to go. What if, you, what if you were aware of those thoughts and instead of yielding to those thoughts, see, a lot of that which is producing negative in the life of the believer, and we've talked about 3 John 2, beloved, I pray that you prosper and that you're in health even as your soul prospers. A lot of that which produces negative results in the life of the believer on this side of the cross is things that we think, is us. We think it belongs here. We think it's okay that it's here. We think that we should pay attention to it. We think we should listen to it. If a thought enters our mind, we think we must be the source of the thought. If we think a thought is our thought, then we have an ownership an ownership stake in the thought. We may feel obligated to meditate on it. And maybe we give ourselves too much transformational patience. Well, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect. And what do you expect? And I'm only human. And, and yeah, I mean, this, these things take a while. I mean, I'm in process. I mean, this thing's a journey. I mean, come on now. I'm, I'm still being renewed in my mind. And how much how much excuse are we giving ourselves instead of just dealing with that which is sabotaging our lives we got stuff coming through the cross, sneaking through. How much are we tolerating because we know the Christian lingo? Well, it's a process. Well, it's a journey. Well, come on now. Uh, when God's ready to heal me, he'll heal me. How much are we tolerating that's sneaking through because we know the Christian lingo? We know the Christian ease. We, we know the little terminology. You know, hey, don't be judging me. Now, I'm working on this. I'm working on this. How long does it take you to work on something? Really? I mean, you're going you're gonna to wear all of us out working on it so long. I mean, if it's a crisis, it's interesting. You mess up with your wife. Why, why then can you change in a day? You mess up with your money. Why then can you change in a day? But if it's something else, it's going to take you years to get through this thing. I mean, this is a journey. Glory to God. Why, why then is it going to take forever? See, it doesn't have to take forever. You just need to make up your mind to set your mind on things above where you're now seated in heavenly places with Christ already, and what he's done in the cross, he's liberated you from thinking about what you can't do all the time, and he's liberated you to think about what you can do all the time. He's made you a citizen of heaven so that your mind could ascend to higher realms, but as long as you let these things sneak through the cross, then they limit your thinking. They keep you earthbound. They keep you, your eyes and your focus down here, and they keep you conscious of a worminess about you instead of liberated to be the true son or daughter that God has made you to be. This is why we have to get super serious with our thought life. We have to get super serious with stuff that's sneaking through. You don't need 21 steps to renew something that you know you want to be renewed over. Some of you are on your 45th step. Some of you on your 69th step. Some of you on your 13th year of trying to stop thinking about something. It's not that hard. Look it in the face and tell it to go. Hello. Thank you, Lord. Yeah? yeah? Woo! If a thought is no longer of you, you must not accept it. Don't listen to it. Send it packing. Refuse it. Renounce it. Overcome it. And begin to separate yourself. You know, I have a responsibility not to accept responsibility for thoughts unless I feed them when they come. But if they just show up, my responsibility is to send them packing. I'm aware of that which is coming against me, either inwardly or from out, and my responsibility is to send it Give it no food. Don't feed it. Refuse it and send it Packing. Amen. I want to talk to you about a couple problems that will keep you connected to the dead Adam. And I want to digress just for a moment. Because the, I think the cross has been so powerfully effective. I, I, don't, I don't think we realize how powerful this new creation work has been in the cross. But I want to talk to you about a couple things also that will, that will potentially be ligaments back to the old life, things that will reach through the cross and keep a dead man alive. And so the first one I want to mention to you that I believe is very important is stony ground. See, Jesus talked about all of this when he gave us the parable of the sower. He said that We already have a heart that's populated with bad seed. We already have a heart. Our heart is already populated with some stuff that is not good. And so then the Word of God comes along. This is Luke 8 and Matthew 13. The Word of God comes along to transform our heart, transform our soul. The Word of God is imperishable seed. The Word of God is meant to awaken your soul to God and to cause the trees of your heart orchard to begin to produce good fruit. So he says, the word of God comes along to our hearts, and it's sown on our hearts, but sometimes it's sown on stony ground. He names four kinds of hearts in the parable of the sower, where the word would come, where the word would transform, where the word would bring life, where the word would change our thinking, where the word would awaken us with hope and faith and love and graciousness, the likeness of God, the fruit of the spirit. He says the word is sown. And sometimes he says one of the soils of that heart is a heart with stony ground. Everybody say stony ground stony ground Matthew 13:20 the one on whom the seed was sown on rocky places stony ground rocky places this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself no firm root in himself in other words the seed can't really get rooted because of the stones And so, the word springs up, but only temporarily. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, and it always will arise because of the word, then immediately he falls away. Now, this is interesting, because I believe that stones in your heart will be a ligament to reach through the cross and to keep you connected to the old nature. What is a stone? A stone is an unresolved hurt. A stone represents hardness of heart. A stone represents something that messed with your heart that got you hardened on the inside. It's an injury. It's a, it, 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 it's a hurt. It's a, it's a delay. It's a, it, it's an offense. It's abuse. It's, it's something That was not of God and something that wasn't of God's nature. And this injury within has produced a callousness, not only toward others, but toward God, stony ground. So then when the word comes that God is good, you're like, I don't know about that. I want to believe that God is good. When a promise comes, when a word comes, when the goodness of God lands upon the ear and then the heart, you want to believe, but these stones within the heart do not allow the seed to actually take root I think we deal with this even considering you know with certain doctrines in the church and and you know we'll hear a message and and we'll have some stones in there that can refuse that message we'll have we'll see promises and 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 so this is why sometimes we're offended with one another. We see somebody get a breakthrough. We see something happen in somebody's life. Sometimes there's offense that comes because it, that offense is interrelated to a stone in our own heart where we tried to get that seed to germinate. We tried to get that seed to grow, but the seed didn't grow. As soon as trouble came, then what happened is there was that thinking that emerged through the cross that said, see there, I told you so. See, it's not for you. See, it's not gonna work. See, that stuff's only for others. See, you're really not qualified. See, you're not good enough. See, you weren't in this thing, right? You weren't you weren't so you didn't get to the altar. You weren't prayed for, right? You didn't get the special anointing oil. You... There'll be some kind of reasoning that will show up when persecution comes that will bear witness to that stone that you have not removed in your heart. And that stone will keep you connected to that wrong thinking. You have to think of a stone, it's almost like an anchor. You know, if we if we tie an elephant up to, you know, the put an elephant over here, and they say if you tie the elephant off to a peg, and, then you let the elephant walk around that peg for a while, then pretty soon you can undo that, and that becomes the boundary. That becomes the anchor. The elephant won't go outside of that which they were already walking. Some of you have the, some of you have the, the Wi-Fi fence for your dog. You got one of those? Tried to get one for Lily, tried to set it up, sold it on Craigslist. Thank the Lord, you know I think it was setting it up was smarter than me, so thank the Lord, Lily just stays home but this is this is what this is what I see is that that an offense, a betrayal, a hurt, an injury that is unresolved, something you haven 't given to the Lord, it becomes like an anchor and a boundary to your life. It connects you to the other side of the cross and it keeps your thinking tied to that realm of the old creation it keeps you operating out of a victim mindset That situation has more power than God because that situation, that grievous hurt, that injury, that damage has the power to shift you off of your destiny, to change the course of your life, to ruin your future. You're empowering that situation and it's affecting your mind. Number one. Oh, let's read the resolution to that, by the way. First Peter 5, 6. Can we read this together? First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your cares, casting all of your anxiety, casting all of your worries on him because he cares for you. The context of this is, the context of this is those that were, that were concerned, they had concerns, and you can read the context, it starts in verse 1 of chapter 5, the context is those that had concerns about God using them, and God doing something for them, and God, God having a place for them, and what would God, and, and am I, do I have any worth, do I have any value, and, and what would God do with me? And he says, even in that kind of an environment, cast your cares on the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord. No matter what the injury, no matter what the history, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what you've gone through, cast your care on the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let him be the healer. Let him be the resolver. Let him be your vengeance. Let him be your reward. Let him be your restorer. Let him be your help. That's the resolution to this. Are you willing? Are you willing? Because that's how every time you do that, you remove a stone out of your heart. You remove a stone out of the soil of your heart. You make room for the seed of the Word of God to grow within you and to take root. Will you believe for that? Number two, I want to touch on this real quick. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. This is the next next thing that he says in the parable of the sower. And I believe that this ties us to who we were. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches will tie us to the wrong side of the cross. Matthew thirteen twenty two. The one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. And the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And here's what I believe. I believe the promises of God's word are meant to be sown into every valid need that you have in your life. You have an abundance of valid needs in your life. And the, the seeds of God's word are meant to be sown into the soil of your heart to cause those needs to be met and to cause the trees of your heart to flourish. But if we don't become acquainted with those promises, if we don't agree with those seeds, if we don't lift up those seeds, the seeds of God's promises, over those areas of concern and valid need within our heart, then what happens is we will continue to seek fulfillment because it's impossible to not seek fulfillment in those areas of life. So we will continue to seek fulfillment through the method of the old creation. So even though though we're over here, we're over here and we're living in the new creation, we're going to be reaching through and grabbing the methodology that we used to operate in. We used to operate in pride. That was real good. That helped us. We'll keep reaching over there. We used to operate in anger and that helped us. We'll keep reaching over there. Why? Because we're just not soaking in the promises. We're not taking the promises of God and literally absorbing them, meditating them, declaring them, getting our thoughts saturated with the promise of God over every area of our lives. I've got some areas of our lives that I've thought about. One is spiritual fulfillment. Another is family. Another is sexuality and sexual fulfillment. One is vocation and purpose. One is health. One is finance and household one is education maturity one is emotional stability one is rest and recreation one is community and culture and influence i believe that these are critical areas of our heart these are things that we think about often these are things that we th- this is how we this these are the things that we engage in this is how we live we live life in these things and when we apply the word of his promise to our heart, then what happens? It disconnects us from thinking out of that old realm. Second Peter 1.2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, by deceit. The promises of God are a key to escaping this old life—they are critical. You're trying to crucify the old nature. Aside from the promises of God, I want to suggest to you it won't work. You won't be fully successful in crucifying, putting to death. You're, you're rising up. You're saying, "Okay, I'm not going to think about that anymore. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm, I'm 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 done with that." And you're and you're and you're trying to be, you know, violently, you know, strong in the cross and to put. But if you are not soaking in the promises of God, this is what God's going to do in my family. This is how God's going to supply for us financially. This is what God's going to do. If you aren't soaking in the promises, you are not giving your heart the power, the fire, the ability to make the separation. Even if you went through the waters of baptism, you have to fuel the new heart, the new thinking with the seeds of his promises so that you can easily put... Put that old person to death. Let's stand this morning. I want the band to come. We're going to try it this morning. I want you to try it. And I just took a simple promise, one that we all know. A simple promise, Philippians 4.19. Everybody here probably knows this promise. Let me read it to you, Philippians 4.19. And then I want you to soak in it. Over some of the areas. Some of the trees of your heart. Philippians 4.19. And my God. Shall supply. All your needs. According to. His riches in glory. In Christ Jesus. And my God. Shall supply. All your need. According to. His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Anybody hidden in Christ Jesus today? Jesus, the representative redeemer. Jesus, the restorer. Jesus, the perfect man who represents you before the Father. Jesus, the one you're hidden in. Jesus, of whom you've become an heir with. Jesus, who through him you've been given all things. Anybody hidden in that one? Anybody hidden in that one?